I think a lot of us want to know how to keep God at the center of our life, but it's a struggle to figure out exactly what that means. For me, it means total dependence, uh, complete submission. And by that, I mean, I don't lean on my own understanding about people or events. Um, I acknowledge Him as Lord of my life in everything as I walk through my day. And of course, He directs my path. The Holy Spirit is there to direct me, and I trust Him. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to Building Blocks, a seven-part weekly podcast series released in conjunction with our Building God's Way teaching series through the book of Nehemiah. Each week, we're going to talk with a member of our staff or leadership team about tools we can use to build our lives God's way. Today, I am joined by my friend, Diane Busani, who is the director of women's ministry here at Bridgeway, and we're talking about how do we build our lives with God at the center. And Diane, I love that you started off by talking about dependence. Um, and you talked about this idea that the kind of the Holy Spirit is with you all the time. Could you maybe just share what does that look like in your day-to-day -day life? How does, what is, I think even that's one of those phrases that a lot of us would say, yeah, I want to be somebody who depends on God. Maybe if there's someone who's not familiar with that or who just sort of understands it in a very kind of vague way, what, what are some ways that that makes a difference in your life? Well, years ago, I read the book, Practicing the Presence of God, and uh, it talks about having God in every single thing. Uh, you're doing the dishes and you're talking with God. Um, when I'm talking, even now, when I'm talking with anyone, uh, I'm going up and down at the same time uh, because I know that what I have to share, what I have to say is far less important than what he does. Also, I've learned over the many years uh, that his ways are better. So I'm in constant communication. And yeah. thank you, Lord, that you're downloading things to me. Yeah, I love that idea. Even of, of, I think this is something we talk about in some church contexts a lot is this idea of kind of even when you're in conversations, you alluded to this, this idea that, okay, you're present in the conversation, but you're also present to the voice of God saying, okay, God, is there something you want? Is there, is there wisdom you want to share that, that I might be able to, sh that you might want to share through me? Or is there somewhere at way I can be of, of comfort? And gosh, I, I'm sure you'd say the same, Diane. I mean, I've, I found that to be a game changer in my own life to know, especially in those hard conversations that necessarily come throughout just life and ministry that I'm not relying on myself, right? That there's a sense of, hey, I'm really connecting in with God and asking for his His help. Yeah, and it 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 relieves that burden. I love the song yeah. I've been listening to lately that's take it out of my hands, out of my hands, and into yours. <laughs> I just yeah. love that because no matter what you're carrying, once yeah. you don't carry it and you give it to him, uh, it becomes yeah. so much lighter. Yeah, absolutely. So, so we're talking today about building our lives with, with God at the center. And you've got kind of three key ideas that are important to you when it comes to keeping God at the center. And I'm, I'm excited for, for us to be able to process those together and for, for our listeners to be able to hear, because I think you've got a lot of wisdom to share on this subject. So, so, so share with us, what is your, your first kind of key idea that helps you keep God at the center in, in your life? Knowing God. Um, if you don't know him, you're going to create your own God, and he's not going to be near as big as God <laughs> truly is. 
You're not going to understand his power or his love. And so you're not going to trust him. But if you know him, then you're going to want him at the center of your life. And there are different ways to know him, but through his word. And you can get into a Bible study. You can get into some, you can get into a class. You can get into a missional community. Um, you can just sit and read his word. And I know for a lot of the ladies I talk with, they don't have enough time. But I mean, you can do something as simple as have the verse of the day downloaded from you version. Um, yeah. you know, there are ways to get in his word. And it doesn't mean that you have to spend an hour, two hours to start with. You may want to spend more, but if you can just spend some time in getting to know him each day, it makes a difference. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. And I mean, we could we could spend a lot of time talking about sort of false ideas of who God is that a lot of okay. us can tend to invent. Uh, there's kind of the old cliche that a lot of us think of God as this sort of glorified version of ourselves. Yes. <laughs> that uh, God, of course, agrees with me on everything and is just like me and affirms everything about me. When and that and that all sounds very nice in theory, but I, I, I'm sure you'd agree like that that actually doesn't work out very well for us in in practice because we end up projecting a lot of our own unhealth or dysfunction <laughs> onto God. When when we know Him for true, who He truly is, yes. He can be the one who's forming us as opposed to us sort of creating Him in our own image, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So so if knowing God is so critical, and I love that you said that to this idea that when we know we know God through his word and that, OK, life is busy. Things are stressful. Things are difficult. But there are so many different things we can do to get God's word into us, whether it's, yeah, something as simple as getting that you version verse of the day, maybe, you know, listening to scriptures or doing chores or running errands or things like that. There, there are lots of different ways we can do. I'm curious. I'm just going to put you on the spot here. I, I think we, we could talk about, Hey, sitting and maybe having time where we're sitting and having a quiet time or a devotional time. What are some creative things that maybe you've done to say, Hey, life is busy or I don't maybe have time as, as much as I'd like, but I want to make sure I'm, I'm, I'm around God's word. Are there any kind of things that you've done to sort of be able to, I don't know, multitask or just get the word of God kind of on your mind in maybe some some different kind of ways? Sure. Um, I When I walk, I have my AirPods in and I'm listening. Yeah. Uh, there's yeah. something different. Uh, it might be, it, I love, uh, we've talked about this. I love Andy Stanley, you know, but you mm -hmm. might be listening to whatever, or uh, I've just taken uh, version Bible because yeah. you can play it, you can listen to it and walk yeah. and listen and listen to yeah. God's word. Uh, I don't get out of bed in the morning until I read a short devotional. It might take me five minutes, yeah. but I don't do that. But I remember times when I would have to go in the bathroom, shut the door and grab something <laughs> at five seconds. Uh, so it's what, whatever it took to get that time away. Yeah. And sometimes it's at night. It doesn't have to be yeah. morning, but. Sure. Yes, that is that is certainly true. I uh, my former my formative years were spent around uh, some Christians who are naturally morning people, and right. I felt this like I've I've trained myself to become a morning person, but I was not naturally that way in my you know teens and twenties. Felt the shame of people who are you know waking up at five a.m. to pray, and I'm going like, yeah, no, that, that, that's not happening. <laughs> that's that's not me. But no, I, I love that, and I'm I'm certainly a huge fan of utilizing walks and runs and things like that mm -hmm. to like, hey, this is I can listen to the sermon, listen to God's word, whatever the case may be. And I, I love even the practice of like you said, just something before you start your day, 
it's been a game changer for, for me as well. Just whether it's reading something real quick or reciting a familiar passage, man, it's, it's, it's huge. So, so number one is knowing God. Talk to us about number two. What's your kind of your second principle uh, here? My passion, my passion for every woman at the church or that I know is that she knows her identity. Mm-hmm. Um, I, a few years back, quite a few years back, I did chaplaincy training uh, with an organization that helps stop sex trafficking. And one of the things I learned there was that most young women aren't captured or taken away. They willingly walk into that. And wow. there were areas in, you know, this came from the FBI in the Sacramento area. And there are areas where they know runaways go, foster children, people that are hurting, that don't feel they have any worth, uh, they will walk into sex trafficking and be caught up in that because they find something that's meaningful. They think they're being loved for the first time in their lives. And in working with different women's organizations, I've worked with Teen Challenge and Mercy Multiplied. And the first thing they teach those women is who they are in God. I I used to say to the women at Teen Challenges, I wish you could see yourself the way God sees you. Mm -hmm. And sadly, we don't know that. We don't understand it. And we're leaky. Even if we know it, it leaks out and we have to be told over and over again. So that's the next thing is knowing who we are. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. I mean, that... those examples are, are are poignant and they're powerful, and and I, I think you're right that we we can kind of underestimate the importance of identity to our our spiritual health and just sort of our health in general. Last week on last week's episode episode of Building Blocks, which if anybody missed it, go back and listen. David Heitzler had some phenomenal wisdom to share, and one thing he said that was so powerful to me was something that he prays regularly is God help me to experience your acceptance of me. Mm. And I thought, man, like that is, because how many, uh, Diane, I'm sure you see this all the time, working with the women of Bridgeway, there are plenty of men at Bridgeway that would say the same thing. We walk around with this sense of I'm not good enough. I'm not accepted. Yeah. And, and that leads in, in a lot of cases to the, the very things you just described. But man, when we have that sense of acceptance, that God accepts us, it's a game changer. And I'm sure you've seen that as well as women's lives have been tra- transformed. What are some particular ways that you've seen that when somebody really gets a sense of their identity, I, I, I mean, I know it, you could just say it changes everything, but what are some specific changes you've seen in, in women as they've really kind of gotten a hold of that? I, I see a joy and um, a confidence that wasn't there before, an ability to connect with other people, to start living their lives in ways they didn't think they could. Uh, I've watched women look beaten down. I mean, you just see it on their face and their countenance change into something completely different uh, so that their lives are more joyful. Um, I learned recently that um, I listened to BAMA podcast and He talks about a good eye, what that meant to the Hebrews. And Mm. what that actually meant to them was that they looked expecting good all the time. They had a good outlook. 
Uh, and so their lives were uplifted and joyful. And that's what I see in the women who start understanding who they are. They have a good eye. Uh, yeah. They're looking positively at the future and not yeah. waiting for something bad to happen. Yeah. And, and that can be critical as well. And that, that's not a sense of kind of pie in the sky naivete. I mean, what, what that is, is it's biblical hope is it's this mm -hmm. sense of, okay, I can expect God's presence and God's power in, in the future. And I, I want to ask another kind of identity question here. Um, what are maybe some symptoms of, of, of that somebody might use to identify, gosh, I don't have a strong sense of identity because I don't think a lot of us notice it, mm. but it leaks out to kind of okay. use that word you used a minute ago in lots of different ways. What are some ways that like someone like me or someone else might be able to just die, kind of diagnose to say, gosh, I, I, my identity is just, it's insecure right now, or I'm, I, it's not rooted in who God says I am. Mm. Well, that's a good question. Um, I, I think you start to doubt, um, doubt yourself, but you doubt God. Um, yeah. you, you do start, you, you begin not looking forward uh, with joy. You start expecting yeah. bad things to happen. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't have a better answer for you, Brian. <laughs> I think that, well, and I think that you, you sort of alluded to it in the answer you gave. I, I think that there is a sense of anxiety and insecurity that comes, mm -hmm. that, that comes with that as well, right? And mm -hmm. the, the good news, of course, is that God meets us in our, anxiety and meets us in our insecurity and meets us in our doubts and our questions and, and everything else. And, you know, you, you know, this, and, and it's, a, it's such a wonderful truth that kind of the door is always open for us to, okay, I, I need to find, I need to re reroute my identity and who, who God says I am and, and, and all of that. And, and Hey, you, you know, this as well as I do, like, that's not a one-time thing, right? you like, you talk about things you got to do in the morning before you get out of bed. It's, yes. <laughs> you know, remember, Hey, who, who am I? Right. Yes. Which is uh, so important. Daily, daily. And that will bring yeah. me to my third thing. If that's yeah, which, yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. Yeah. So, so number one, uh, who is God? The knowledge of God. Number two, kind of who am I? The knowledge of yourself and identity. So talk to us about kind of the third element of keeping God at the center. And that's community. Um, yeah. Community is, that's where you're going to find your safety, your accountability. And, um, I, I, as I work with women, I, I have, I jokingly say we have like these little rabbits that come up the hole and they go, I want to get connected. I want to get connected. And they get scared to go back down and run away. <laughs> uh, they're, just, they're almost there. They know they want it and they need it, but yeah. they don't stay. And, yeah. um, and what I say to them is that, you know, that when you're separated from the flock, from the yeah. herd, you're separated out. And you are prey. Okay. Uh, so you're going to lack in your identity. You're going to, uh, you're not going to find that accountability. You're not going to find that uplifting. You're not going to find the affirmation. You're not going to find the reminders. So that as you leak, somebody pours back in, into you and reminds yeah. you of your identity and who yeah. you are. You need the community for safety and for growth. Yeah, that, that's that's certainly true. And I think even for 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 some of us who maybe are introverts, time by ourselves is how we recharge, and that's wonderful. And there's certainly nothing wrong with that. But 
having time to yourself to recharge and isolation are very different things. Yes. And very few of us in isolation tend to move towards health, right? We don't tend to remind ourselves of our identity. We don't tend to talk very nicely to ourselves. We don't tend to be, uh, be forgiving towards ourselves. And that spirals up all sorts of kind of negative emotions and, and negative thoughts that can lead to uh, just all sorts of unhealthy behaviors. But it is, I mean, you know, I know you've experienced this as have I, that in community, there is a sense of sense of grounding. Mm-hmm. And, but, but I think also uh, people don't pursue it because there's a vulnerability to it, yes. right? So, so in, on some level, there is the the need to to recognize the value we get out of these relationships and out of having people who who can speak life into us it is worth that sense of vulnerability, right? Absolutely, and you know we we understand that people aren't very good at this. That's what they want, and, and I I think I told you that um, you know if you ask people in classes why they're there, yeah, it's not. Number one reason isn't to read God's word. It's for connection. They want connection so badly, but they don't know how to do it after that. They get in there. They're afraid. You know, mean girls. If you, you know, growing up, (laughs) mean girls, you know, they're afraid of that. They're afraid of whatever. Um, So we did something for a while called uh, that Carla uh, affectionately named Forced Fellowship, where we insisted (laughs) that people go out for coffee once during the semester, that sort of thing, because people aren't good at it and they are fearful and they're not sure they can actually do it. And sometimes you kind of just push them together and they like it. Yeah. I love that. Forced fellowship. Well, and what does that do? Forced fellowship. What's the worst part of trying to get together with people? It's extending the invitation, right? Yes. Because even that there's vulnerability to it. What if they say no? What if they, you know, I'll sometimes put together little events with like like our, our kids and families to go out and like play soccer or whatever. And like, I hate texting all the other dads inviting me to play <laughs> soccer because yeah. the, even the vulnerability of that like gets at me, right? Yeah. So, so you talk about the, which I mean, that's silly, but that's just my <laughs> issue. Mm-hmm. But but you talk about there, there's a vulnerability in kind of putting yourselves out there. Yes. But I, I'd be curious to hear, kind of hear your thoughts on this. What I found is that more often than not, when we're willing to be vulnerable enough to kind of create space for relationships, what we find is people around us are hungry for it. Just as, just like we are, we're all just waiting for somebody to make the first move. Is that, I mean, has that kind of been your experience? Exactly. Exactly. And this forced fellowship, uh, what happened was it was like, Oh, I've got to go to coffee with you. I've got to do this. They were, it was arranged for them. So they, it took out that piece and they got there yeah. and it's like, me too, me too. <laughs> yes, oh, I love gosh. it. They come back and report how great it was. But yeah. to get them to do it, so yeah, there's so yeah. much value one, in community. One of the most beautiful phrases in community is the one that you just used, me too. Because mm-hmm. in, in our isolation, right, we think yeah. we're the only ones struggling with this. We think we're the only ones stressed out about that. Yeah. When our relationships are shallow or non-existent, we can just look at everybody else and think they all have their act together. Yeah. But then yeah. you get in conversation. And realize, man, there's there's struggles all all around us, and 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 that sense of camaraderie and connection and 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 trust that is built by those shared experiences can be really really powerful. So, so so I I love your three kind of key ideas here: knowledge of God, knowledge of self, 
and and community. And those are certainly all things we try to lean into it at Bridgeway. And as we're, we're kind of starting to wrap up our conversation here, but I do want to ask you about a few other things as we're talking more broadly about this idea of keeping God at the center. Part of the reason why this is the year of becoming at Bridgeway and part of the reason why we're doing this series called Building God's Way is just recognizing there's some rebuilding that needs to happen after a very weird year. As you reflect back on 2020, and, and obviously everything we're dealing with is ongoing. How is your faith and your connection with God and, and your sense of having God at the center of your life, how has that impacted the way that you've processed everything that we're going through? Yeah, it's pulled me out of the holes. Um, <laughs> it's It's been a rough year. I mean, it's, it's, not, been, it's not been pretty in any way. Um, and it's been painful. I, the hate and the violence and the sadness. I mean, COVID has touched so many lives, but it's not just that, the fear that's racked people, the fear of losing something. I mean, to a rush on toilet paper, uh, I mean, it's whatever. <laughs> it's, I'm so yeah. afraid I'm gonna lose what I want or what I need. And it's yeah. been a year of fear all the way through. Uh, and when I felt discouraged, because it's tough to do, it was tough to do ministry, Brian. I'm sure you yeah. don't know this, but it was tough. Yeah, to, I, to I, I can't relate to that at all. So I'll just take your word for it. <laughs> yeah. It was like, oh, you plan something that's canceled. You plan something that's canceled. Um, when I would hit those holes, I, I would say, Lord, you've got a plan here. I sure don't know what it is and I don't like it. Um, yeah. But can you pull me out of it? Can you pull yeah. me out of it? And the other thing he's been teaching me through this year, uh, which I haven't liked, because I have my opinions. Everybody <laughs> has their opinions. Sure. Uh, and I don't agree with everybody uh, with their opinions, and they don't agree with me. But God's been challenging me to learn to love regardless yeah. of opinions. And I don't think we've ever gone through a time where there's been such a separation in opinions and such a vocal separation of opinions where before maybe you didn't know that about the person. So it was easier to love them and deal yeah. with them. And now you know it. So yeah. he's teaching me to love through that year. Yeah. Well, and that's what a, what a beautiful example. I think we can maybe get part of the way there on our own strength to say like, okay, I'm really just going to try my best to be loving and kind and accepting even in the face of all of this craziness around us. But, but to really get to that place to say, okay, I want to do the hard work of learning to love in the face of disagreement. I mean, that's that's the power of God right there, oh, right? Amen. I mean, that's where we, we, we can only do that if, if God is really our our center, you know, and, and Lance kind of talked about that sort of idea this last weekend of kind of God is, God is the center. And, um, and, and that's, I think, such a beautiful example of how you see the implications of that played out uh, played out practically. Um, so, so one last thing, and then, then we'll be done here is, uh, we're here, we're sitting here talking about how do you keep God at the center of your life? And I, I, neither of us are experts on this subject. We're, we're trying to figure it out just like everybody else. Right. Uh, so we're, we're, we are, we are fellow travelers on the journey here, but, but I think that oftentimes this, the idea of, okay, I want to, I want to build my life around God. That, that can seem very overwhelming to somebody who, maybe doesn't have past experience with it, or maybe who, you know, was close with Jesus at one time, but has drifted away and is trying to kind of return. Yeah. What advice would you give to the person who's either new to faith or is maybe just trying to kind of rebuild their lives spiritually after a time kind of away? What advice would you give to that kind of person? 
Well, Brian, I, you know, I grew up in the church, um, but I never knew God during that time. And I walked away. I walked away for quite a few years. So I have the experience of walking away and being new back in yeah. it. And when things got difficult, I went back to church. And the first service, I cried through the whole thing. I knew I was home. But what God provided for me was somebody who modeled what it meant to have God at the center of their life. Um, she said, we're going to a Bible study. She said uh, she loved people so completely. She'd had 93 foster kids through her home. Oh my um, gosh. Yes. And she was uh, 60-something going on 12. She was so much fun. <laughs> Uh, she just modeled everything about having God at the center of your life. And I would say get around people where you can see that and understand it and learn it, see it modeled, because sometimes you have to see it and feel it before you experience it. Mm -hmm. And also know that you're on a journey. Uh, I would say this to somebody new and to somebody who's been in the faith for a lot of years there's more to learn and you're not yeah. perfect and you're not going to be perfect till the very end. I, I sit in a class on Tuesday morning and I will watch someone sit there and cry, absorbing, and then have mm. other people say, I didn't learn anything. Yeah. It's like it never ends. And from the beginning to the end. So don't beat yourself up, be there and be around people who can model that for you. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. See it and feel it before you can experience it. That, that yeah, I love that. I love that. Uh, well, thank you, Diane, so much for, for sharing your wisdom. Really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. Uh, you do so much to, to serve the women of our church and uh, women and, and marriages and families are healthier because of the work that God does through you. So I am very grateful for you and I think you're awesome. So I uh, really appreciate it. And uh, thanks to all of you for listening to Building Blocks. Make sure you join us this coming weekend for part five of Building God's Way. And we'll be back here next Monday for episode five of Building Blocks. Thanks to Lucian Hughes for taking this and making it sound good. Have a great week and we'll talk to you soon.